We're going to be South Side regardless. Chicago, come to the South Side. Like the fancy island. With your South Siders, Shane Reardon and Gabe Ramirez. We're excited. It's going to be a good time. Go White Side. Welcome in. Second episode of the South Siders 670 podcast. Myself, Shane Reardon, Gabe Ramirez right there to my right, to your left. I don't know. I, <laughs> Gabe. Just like, jump into it, dude. Like, no, I mean, I, you're like, so I flustered, to. bro. Yeah, I, I want to. It, I, I've, I've had about 12, 13 hours now to process what happened yesterday in the series finale between the White Sox and the Dodgers. First of all, like I said, Shane Reardon, Gabe Ramirez. This is the White Sox fan podcast for 670 to score in Odyssey and 2400 Sports Southsiders. You can find me on Twitter at Shane underscore Reardon, Gabe at Chicago underscore Gabe. And you can find the show on all platforms, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, Southsiders670. And please, if you have questions, comments, concerns, you want to tell us how handsome we are, you can email southsiders 670 at gmail.com right there up in your face on the banner that our producer Tyler has so lovingly put up for us. You can find us two times a week right here, wherever you consume your podcast in video form and audio form, however you'd like to do it. But I am pissed off. <laughs> I am a very angry human in general and a very angry White Sox fan in general. But what happened yesterday with that 77, and I don't want to make this about age, but sometimes it's about age. Sometimes the game has passed you by. When that 77-year-old man that sits in the White Sox dugout looks at Trey Turner, Dodgers shortstop, second baseman, outfielder, whatever you want to call him, he could do everything. Season with a 1-2 count, a 7-5 to lead for the Dodgers with Max Muncy, a lefty, yes, but notoriously a very, very good reverse splits guy. Max Muncy crushes lefties. Bennett Sousa on the mound. Tony La Russa sees a one-two count for Trey Turner and intentionally walks him. This was during our show yesterday. I, I produced Parkinson Spiegel, for those of you who don't know, afternoons on the score. This was during our show yesterday, and it took everything in me. And I'm not just saying this. This isn't – I'm not exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating when I say this. It took everything in me to not walk away for the day. Is that healthy? As a White Sox fan, is that healthy? I, I think it is healthy. I think it comes it is, to that you point. Think it's healthy. Oh, absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. And, and that moment when you walk away, because you're saying to yourself, like you're throwing your hands no, up in no, the air. No, no, like walk away and leave my job and go home. Oh. <laughs> I was ready to walk away from the show because I was so angry about the White Sox and go to my home. I thought you'd be like, go get a cup of water. Go no, no, walk away and go home. Dude. I don't want to do it anymore. Everyone, the, good, the, the thing is this, everyone would have understood. Everyone would have been like, where's Shane? Oh, yeah, Tony DeRusso, one-two count, Trey Turner. And then everybody would be like, oh, okay. The, the craziest part was – the craziest thing is that everyone is baffled except Tony LaRussa. Yes. That's the part that bothers me the most. It would be one thing if he said – if you know, because what do we say, Shane? We, we cover sports a lot. When guys make mistakes, we want them to own it. Own it. Sure. I made a mistake. I shouldn't have done it. And we'd all be like, yep, we've been there before. It's no big deal. But when you go up with the pompous arrogance – and and say like you guys are idiots what what who everyone would agree with me no everyone would not agree with you in this particular situation freddie freeman's face during the whole debacle was he's on second base looking at danny mendick and danny mendick's looking at <laughs> like dude 
Dude, I don't know. You, you know I watch nonverbals, and Danny Mendix arms behind the back as if that's what you do in front of a judge when yeah. you're trying to be like, I don't want to really say what I want to say, but I'm just gonna gonna like not show you my hands in that situation. And at that point, you're handcuffed, and I'd love to be handcuffed. <laughs> that's love how to that's be how handcuffed. the team felt. That's how the team felt. They were handcuffed Dude. in that situation. Let, let, let's try to talk about a different angle, right, Shane? And I, and I, I what? What do you think he was thinking? I mean, I understand he talks about the analytics. That's bull. That's BS in he my doesn't mind. Know right? the analytics. So, Shelly so- Duncan is right there next to him as analytics guy, the the son of his longtime pitching coach, Dave Duncan. Shelly's right there showing him numbers, and the numbers were wrong. The conversation can't go like this. Like the strike happens. Okay, boom, one, two. All right, hey, 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 TLR, dude, one and two. Let's just walk him right here. Like the conversation couldn't have gone like that, right? Like, oh, hey, everybody, pay attention. He's got a one and two count, and he bombs on one and two. Let's just go ahead and walk. Like no one said that. Tony is a slave to lefty-righty matchups, right? He loves to go lefty-lefty with his pitchers. He loves to go righty-righty. He did not bother to look ahead at Max Muncy's splits against lefties. He knows Max Muncy's a lefty. He knows knows he's very recently off the IL, and he's still reeling a little bit, but he had already homered. He had already homered, and he sees Max Muncy come up, and he sees he's got Bennett Sousa, a lefty on the mound right there, and that's another conversation. (laughs) We'll, We'll get to that. Bennett Sousa should not have been the first lefty out of the bullpen when Aaron Bummer who's been reeling, Killing. who hasn't allowed a an, an earned run in his last 10 innings. When Aaron Bummer hasn't pitched in two days, that's your first lefty out of the pen, not Bennett freaking Sousa. But he sees Max Muncy come up. He's like, oh, dude, no problem. Dude, I, I got – I'm playing chess. You guys are playing checkers. Yeah. Trey Turner, yeah. I thought that guy yeah. hits 258 after a one-and-two count. But what I don't realize – is that Max Muncy crushes lefties. And what I also don't realize, the one metric that he didn't think to look at is that Max is that Trey Turner has a 40% strikeout rate after one and two counts. Strikes out 40% of the fucking time. Yeah. Tony LaRusa is rubbing his hands together. Ooh, you don't I'm gonna do the first I'm gonna the, the, the most recent the, the 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 latest data. I'm sorry, I'm stuttering all over the place. I'm so angry today. I'm only three sips of coffee in. Tony Larusa is a better judge of caffeine in the morning, better delivery of caffeine in the morning than actual coffee. Bennett, <clears throat> oh, okay. Get yourself. Get yourself. Jesus Christ, Gabe. And like, I know, I know oh. it seems like this is fabricated, like fabricated anger. It's anything but. We live and die with this baseball team. And then Tony Larusa shows up at the funeral and spits in your face. Yeah. Drops the drops the casket while he's walking. Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> like, he would never be a Paul Bearer for me. Dude. I would never trust Tony LaRusa to carry my casket down the aisle. It's like back to what you're saying about our love for this team. Like people that are listening to this podcast that don't live in the city of Chicago, it's already difficult enough being a White Sox fan yeah. in the city of Chicago, right? Yeah. And you have to deal with these a-hole cub fans and you know, you got to deal with the team being bad and not wanting to spend money and trying to compete in the AL. And you have certain years where your team can be good. And that's all you really want. You have the talent, you know, what's there and you just want them to perform at a high level. And the fact that it's not the, you know, granted you could put some onus on the players, but the, when the coach is making it worse, it just makes it so much harder for you. You get so much angrier because you're looking at this team. Like this team is good. These guys can play well, but if the manager is making piss poor decisions and putting them in a worse situation, that then makes our job harder as fans. 
trying to love this team when he's there, especially after you've seen Joe Madden get the hook, after you've seen Joe Girardi get the hook. And then all of a sudden you start saying to yourself, this guy should get the hook as well, but we know that's not going to happen. So it's, it's even more frustrating on those fronts as, from a Sox fan's perspective because of the situation they're in right now. What do you think it would take? Honestly, what would it, being a realist, yeah. what would it take for Tony La Russa to lose his job midseason? Death. Death. <laughs> Death. Tony La Russa would have to die in order for him to be taken out of that position. Don't and you I, agree? I mean, because, if, like, if, it's not, if it hasn't happened already, and I, and, I, and I said this about somebody else where, like, the, the masses can create that, right? Like, they were saying in Philly, the reason Joe Girardi was gone was because of the local media, that they had enough weight and pull and say-so in order to get the people going to then create that wave that got Joe Girardi out of there. Chicago has that, but the problem is management doesn't care. Management doesn't care about what we're saying on 670 The Score. Management doesn't care about this podcast. They don't care about what anyone has to say because he picked this guy and he would then have to admit failure. And that's something that I don't, I don't think he wants to do. What do you think? What's, what, what else can happen in order for him, him to then it be like a clear-cut firing in your eyes? I think about the five stages of grief, right? And I, we've, been, we've been talking about this lately. And I think about where I was when they initially made the hire. And when everyone in the world and everyone in baseball and even the White Sox graphics department thought it was A.J. Hinch. Remember when they put out the, the announcement that Tony La Russa was the manager and they had this like little graphic where his signature should have been there like an autograph, but it was accidentally A.J. Hinch's <laughs> autograph instead of Tony La Russa's. In that moment, I was in denial. I thought there's no way. There's no way that Jerry is trying to make up for 19, what was it, 76 when Hawk fired Tony. There's no way he's bringing this man from up in the booth for, well, not the booth, up in a in a skybox with the Diamondbacks where he was just, in the Angels, where he was just a consultant or whatever, a, a, a special assistant to the general manager. There's no way that Jerry is writing this 30-year wrong and taking this man who hasn't been active in baseball in 11 years and putting him in the dugout of the third youngest team in baseball with a championship window that is wide open. There's no way. I'm in denial. That's not going to happen. That's not real. And then you realize, shit, it is very real. And there's Tony La Russa coming in with his walker and his geriatric liver-spotted hands, and then you're angry. You're angry. Why yeah. does why do they do this to me? Why is God doing this to me? Why is Jerry Reinsdorf doing this to me? Why is he absolutely neutering somebody who I think is one of the best GMs in baseball and Rick Hahn? Yeah. So I'm angry. Yeah, I haven't even moved on to bargaining yet, Gabe. I haven't even moved on to the third stage of, of grief. Yeah. I have been in the anger stage of grief for a year and a half. Yeah, and it's not getting better. Yeah, I'm still angry. And, and the worst part for me as a, as a as a Puerto Rican male, right, I see the, the the story that comes out about him getting pulled over for the DUI and what he said. This is before the hiring. This is like before the, the ink dries. And I say to myself, again, Puerto Rican male, I'm looking at the situation. And I'm like, there is no way in hell that anybody else, anyone else would have had that same situation and it would have just been blown over. No big deal. Welcome you with open arms. That was a mistake. It's no it's no problem. Because I looked at that and I was like, oh, I literally said, there's no way they're hiring him after this. This is too much of a PR nightmare. But there comes this privileged portion 
where a guy like Tony Larusa can just be like, and with his buddy with the good old boy network in, in Reinsdorf, and they could just be like, ah, bro, I had a, I had a couple of drinks. I was on my way home. It's no big deal. But like to me, that was the that was the tipping point for me. I never liked the the, the idea of him being the manager of the Chicago White Sox. I love that Tim Anderson vouched for him. But when that DUI thing happened, I literally just said to myself, I, this can't be real. Like where else in, in sports and in professional sports can something like that happen? And the guys still live to coach a day in baseball. It just wouldn't happen. That only happens when you have somebody at the helm in Jerry Reinsdorf, who is as loyal as he is loyal to a fault. We've seen it with Garpax. We've seen the national embarrassment of the bulls or the city of Chicago hosting the NBA all-star game. And Zach Levine is doing whatever morning ESPN show it was on Navy pier. And in the background, your Bulls <laughs> fans all-star weekend chanting fire guard packs, fire guard packs. Not even that did it. And right now, the White Sox and Tony Larusa are the laughing stock of Major League Baseball nationally. 100%. The voice of baseball, Joe Davis, the TV voice for the Dodgers, who took over for Joe Buck as the number one at Fox. He'll be calling the World Series. He calls all the Dodgers games. He's 34 years old. He took over for Vin Scully at 29. He and, and Eric Karros on the Dodgers TV broadcast are audibly laughing at the White Sox two straight nights. I didn't One hear that. For Tony leading Larry Garcia off and giving him the most at bats <laughs> of anyone on the team when he's the worst batting 184. <laughs> and the next day, when he intentionally walks Trey Turner one and two, I'm trying to equate that. I'm trying to try to tell myself that the nation laughing at the White Sox and Tony Larusa is going to be enough. But I'm not naive. I know yeah. what's going on here. Jerry's not going to fire his buddies closer with Larusa than he was with Gar and Pax. Yeah. And Pax is still part of the freaking team. Still getting the check every two weeks. I, I'm going to tell you, I, now that we're getting into this conversation, I think I do know what it is or what it will take in order for Reinsdorf to let go of Tony LaRussa. And it has to be a player revolt. It has to be the players having closed door meetings with management, with Rick Hahn and saying like, I do not want to play for this guy. This guy is not taking us to the place that we got to go. Now they might need a translator because there's a bunch of Latinos on that team. But if, if they did it behind closed, maybe I could step in and help them out. But if they if they, if they do that, that's the only way. Like I, I know Tim Anderson, you might love, he might love Tony LaRussa's competitive nature. But I guarantee you, Tim Anderson loves winning more than he loves Tony LaRussa being his coach. And that's the guy that has to be at the forefront of that. Jose Abreu's like, bro, I'm here just living the American dream. I'm getting my check. This is fantastic. So are a couple of other guys. But Tim Anderson needs to be that dude that steps up, that says, hey, man, this is not right. Our team has a window and we want to win. And this isn't the guy to get us there. The problem is who steps up and takes over in, in, in his absence, right? Like, do you feel that whoever is left in that coaching staff – one of those guys can be the guy to kind of write the ship the way that it's happened in Philadelphia. Yeah. I, I think when it all comes down to it in four or five years, Ethan Katz is going to be one of the best managers in baseball. I think whichever team gives Ethan Katz his first opportunity to manage a team and not just a pitching staff is going to be a very lucky baseball team. So mm -hmm. I think this, this white it, Gabe, I, I could have, my local homeless woman who yells at my dog every morning for, for, for peeing where she likes to sit. I could have her manage the team and this team would be better off 
than it yeah. being managed by Tony LaRusso. You know why? Because she would just do what you're supposed to do. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Think about one thing for me here. God, I'm getting heated. Think about one it. thing for me here. If the White Sox did in any situation, whether it be lineup construction, whether it be in-game management, whether it be whatever, if they did what's considered to be the most obvious decision, this is a, a an over 500 team. Easily. Over 500. If you just did what the average Joe in the stands or watching at home assumes to be the obvious decision, much better off. But but Tony knows better than you. And yeah. Tony knows better than me. Tony knows better than everyone. Tony knows that he can intentionally walk Trey Turner on a one and two count. <laughs> next month, he's going to come up and club Dude. a three-run homer and then call him a fucking bitch <laughs> when he's walking back to the dugout. Tony oh, knows that. Yeah. Tony knows yeah. it. It's and so I, exhausting. I love Muncie's Muncie's uh, post game interview where he's like, he, he you know, I, I, if it was me, I would have took I would take the low road. I'd have been like, man, f them for trying to pitch to me. That's what happens if you walk Trey Turner. I'm I'm his protection. But no, he took this like this like slap in the face when he's like, yeah, I've been playing bad. I probably would have did the same thing too. Trey Turner's a dog, knowing damn well in the back of his mind, he's like, those idiots, man. I was waiting for that. I was waiting to see this guy, and I, I, I'm, you know, he swung his all of his might just to prove a point. Especially they were winning too. It just, it just, it just seems so stupid because you said it. You said it yourself. Usually, armchair quarterbacks or armchair in this instance, armchair pitchers or whatever, you know, we're we're working off emotion and we're we're, we're trying to, you know, we think we know what we're talking about. But in this particular situation, it just seems obvious. It's it's not like like a like. I could tell a 10-year-old that plays in Little League Baseball at Humble Park, you know, hey, it's a one and two count, and this guy's, you know, pretty good with a one and two count. What do you want to do? The 10-year-old pitcher would be like, yo, I'm throwing this fastball right by him, yeah. and I don't, I'm throwing this slider outside. Like, it, it's just like, it seems like so obvious. And and the fact that he did that, I don't know. It's just, it's so surprising that he has a job this morning. Because I can only imagine, Reisdorf had to have talked to him after this, right? No. You don't think well, so? That there was no, any conversation? You are giving Jerry Reinsdorf way too much credit. Fine, Rick Hahn. Did Rick Hahn have a conversation? With, did anybody have a conversation with Tony La Russa? I'm sure Rick would love to have a conversation with Tony La Russa, <laughs> but they've stripped his power away. And I feel worse for that man than I feel for a lot of people. Mm. Rick Hahn's power has been completely stripped away. If this was a competent organization, at bare minimum, a competent organization – Tony LaRussa would be cashing an unemployment check this morning. Facts. A competent organization. The Angels lost 12 in a row. The GM of the Angels wasn't happy with Joe Madden. And I don't think Joe Madden is the, the reason you're losing 12 in a row, but some change has to be made. I'm kind of surprised we didn't wake up this morning to see Frank Medicino fired because that would be the White Sox move. Hey, Tony, <laughs> horrible decision, man. That was bad. You, you made a bad call yesterday, but you did score nine runs. Frank Minichino, hitting coach, fired. Yeah. You're done. Finally. You're done. <laughs> Someone, someone's head has to roll in that, in that instance. That would be a White Sox move. And I, I, I talk about it on the show often. I'm a, I'm a season ticket holder. I have half of the home games. I put my hard-earned money yeah. into this baseball team. I have absolutely no desire to go and watch them. Yeah. I've got no desire to go tonight. I'm hosting a tailgate tomorrow. I've got no desire to host a tailgate and go to the game tomorrow. I've got no desire to go on Sunday. It's going to be a beautiful weekend in Chicago. Why do I want to absolutely hate myself 
sitting in those stands watching that old fuck manage the team from the dugout. Yeah, it's frustrating. It's frustrating because you wish we were yelling about Larry Garcia. Like, I, like I've never welcomed an yeah. argument about Larry Garcia more in my life <laughs> as opposed to talking about Tony La Russa and his, his inconsistencies as a manager. And, and yeah, it's, it's a holier than thou attitude. It's a, and, and what's, what's odd is that you already made a statement by getting rid of Dallas Keiko. You've already said, Hey, if you don't fit our culture, you don't fit our window, you're not performing. You got to go. I don't care if I owe you money. I don't care if, you know, you still got, you know, time left. I don't care. But the fact that that doesn't then apply to the manager as well. well only, that's not Jerry's buddy. Dallas Keiko is not right. Jerry's buddy. It's like you made a statement, but then you contradicted it the very next, like the very next week. You know, it just, it blows my mind. If I'm Dallas Keiko, I, I know he's laughing his ass off right now. <laughs> he's just like, woo, thank God I got out of that situation because those guys are damn idiots over there. Uh, it's frustrating. You did want to mention Ben D'Souza. I mean, dude. Like, first, first let's, right, let's let's try to go a little happier first, and let's talk about Dylan Cease because then we can go over all our pitchers that all the pitchers that happened right there. Dylan Cease didn't have the best outing, but but he came out, held him down for the first four innings. Felt like Sox, you know, then Sox put up some runs. So just it seemed like a jovial, happy time in White Sox fandom when that was going on. Matt Foster comes in out of relief, gets out of the inning after he got in some trouble, and then and then Ben Souza comes on. And I just so so when you see him coming out, obviously you said you would have preferred Bummer at that at that moment. Yeah, you know we're 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 only down six five, so you're really looking for someone to have a hold in that position. It's not like you're throwing in Souza and you're up six or you're down five. I mean, you're trying to keep the game within reach. Here's the thing, man. Dylan Cease was good yesterday. He he bounced back from. From his, his last start before Toronto, I can't. What was it? New, was it the Yankees that he yeah, had Yankees. against? Yep. He bounced back. His stuff was there. I'd like to see him throw his fastball a little bit more. He's only throwing it at a thirty-two percent clip yesterday. I'd like to. He's got such an electric fastball with so much tail. I'd like to see him throw that more. But there are two things here, and we can we can go the route and blame Tony Larusa, which of course I will. We can go the route and blame Jake Berger for booting two balls in the sixth. I think it was the mm-hmm. sixth. Yeah. Sixth. One of them that should have been an inning ending double play. But I prefer to go the route of saying, Tony, you had the Dodgers lineup coming back up for the third time through. You had Dylan Cease approaching his highest pitch count of the season. And you didn't put a single guy up in the bullpen until just before his 100th pitch. He ended up throwing 109 pitches yesterday, or 108 pitches, whatever it was. The ineptitude of that man to not have one guy ready. Tony, in his his, uh, post-game pressure yesterday, said, "Oh, I mean, you see you you struck out Mookie Betts? Why would you ever take somebody out that just struck out Mookie Betts? Why would I do that? Why would I look at Dylan? I don't want you to take him out. I just want you to get somebody up in the bullpen. Get somebody ready. So when so when the pitch gets away to to trade to, to when Freddie Freeman comes up, you can bring a lefty in to face Freddie Freeman. Like, dude, it's 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 the simplest things. Like we said, it's the most obvious decisions. Mm-hmm. He doesn't make the obvious decision. It's like he's not paying attention. Yeah. In in Toronto, not Toronto, in Tampa Bay last weekend, there was a shot in the after the uh, God, I can't remember who it was that doubled. A doubled off of Kopech. There's a shot in the dugout 
that shows Ethan Katz like basically taking Tony over to the bullpen phone by a fucking leash and then <laughs> tells him that. to make a call to the bullpen and then he turns that. around, Katz does, and he's rolling his eyes. Oh, wow. Like, I did this not is what see we're that. Dealing, I'll try to find that clip and send it to you. But I love that. It's This is what we're dealing with. A guy who's either not paying attention or doesn't know what decisions to make because the game has completely passed him by. Yeah. And then, so, yeah, Dylan at- C should have been out yesterday before the Freddie Freeman yeah. at bat. And if you look at yes, um, the, the the second game of the series against the Dodgers, he let Kopech go a little longer than he probably should have. Kopech, I was fine with that. Kopech yeah, but, but but no, that, that, that's my point. My, my, my point, though, is that he's he's then thinking, well, I did it yesterday. Yeah, okay. I can then do it again without, with Dylan Cease. Yeah, yeah without, without concern. But that's not the case. You can't manage like that. No. You can't manage that. I, I have pitcher A on the mound and you know he he ended up closing out the inning and doing well so therefore it's going to happen again with pitcher B. That that's not that's not logic. That's not that's not smart. And and even if you did again, even if you did think he was going to be able to get out of the inning, which I like. I love when coaches give their pitcher an op, you know, go go do your mound visit in a tough situation and tell them, "Hey, I'm leaving you in because I, I know you can get yourself out of this." I love situations like that. However, it doesn't mean you can't prepare. It doesn't mean you should then you know, oh, well, I might throw him off if I have somebody up in the bullpen. No, you won't. No, you won't. He knows what's going on. He knows he has 100 pitches. He knows how his arm feels. He knows that the score is high. He knows he's giving up a ton of runs. Like, you can't coddle. You're not coddling these guys in that particular situation. So, yes, it is frustrating to see, the, the, again, the inconsistencies, right, whether it be what in, in, in the lineup that he's creating on a daily basis or how he's managing his pitchers. It just – he's going from this 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 place called the gut a little bit too much for me because it sucks. He's got poor gut health. Yeah, he's got acid reflux as well. Yeah, yeah. Get that guy a Prilosec or something, dude. It's horrible, man. Uh, and then the, then the Sox battle back. I feel bad for them because yeah. then they battle back. They're like, hey, you know what? We're not worried about. We're not worried about our coach. We're not worried about the errors. We're gonna go ahead and fight back. And and they they made the game close. And 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 if you were to tell me, Shane, that Dylan Cease had eight strikeouts that the Sox put up nine runs, that's a victory for me. I don't care who we're playing against. And it's just a shame that they were able to put up 10 runs in the fifth and sixth to kind of take the game, you know, just just take it out of uh, just, oh, my God. It's it's unreal, man. We needed that game because, like you said before the series, when we previewed it on our very first podcast, you said everything needs to change right now. This is it. I don't want to wait a couple of weeks. You're going up against the best team, you know, in the in the in Major League Baseball. You have an opportunity to really prove to yourself that you can be that that squad out of the AL Central, and they did. And if it wasn't for that, those two innings, we we we'd be having a very different conversation right now, and we wouldn't be the laugh, laughing stock of Major League Baseball. If you like what you're hearing, remember to subscribe to the Southsiders 670 podcast feed everywhere you get your podcasts. And before we get into my most questionable, not most, one of the most questionable decisions from yesterday, and there were plenty in the Jake Berger incident in the ninth inning. Remember to subscribe to Southsider 670 wherever you listen to your podcast. Did you catch any of post game yesterday? Did you watch any of post from the clubhouse? Okay, so you and I were both working at two o'clock. Yeah. And the White Sox are winning four to nothing. Yep. So I just went about my day thinking, yep. we, you know, we had it in the bag. And then when, I was checking Twitter and somebody's like, you know, because you can always tell what's going on in the game based on how Twitter is going, right? Like if everyone's complaining about statistics, like, oh, the Sox haven't scored this many runs and this many, like, you know, it's bad. So I see three or four of these. None of them are mentioning the score. And then I'm like, why does everyone have this negative tone right now? 
Sox were up four nothing last time I checked. And then I look and it's 11 six or something like that. I'm like, what is going on? So, no, I did not. I tried to stay away once that happened. And, and then everybody, then I started reading the Tony LaRusso stuff. And then I was just like, oh, this is not good. This is not good for my mental health. Let me just stay away for a couple of hours before I go dive back in. So, what happened in that ninth inning that you're talking about? Well, Yoan Moncada pinch hit for Jake Berger. Okay. And apparently, in the sixth or seventh inning, like like I'm I'm not paying attention to every pitch because my show is going on. Sure. So I missed this. Apparently, in the sixth or seventh inning, Jake Berger went out with a like a, a cramp, just a standard cramp, and Tony pulled him. And in post game yesterday, Berger said like he seemed very surprised that he was pulled, <laughs> very surprised that you know all all I had to do was really roll out the cramp, and then so I missed that defensive substitution. And Yoman Kata is a different story. We talked about him on episode one. I'm sure. tired of that guy. He looks like he doesn't want to play anymore. There's no effort. There's no emotion there. He had a nice walk yesterday. He milked that nice walk in the ninth inning. But I'm sitting there thinking, if Jake Berger is so calm about this in postgame, and he says he's just a standard cramp, no real injury, just had to roll it out. He's already got a home run that day. He had three runs scored. It's two for three. He's the hottest bat on the team. And Tony's trigger finger is so quick to pull him with a standard cramp to get Yoan Moncada in there. We're nearing to the point where both Yoan Moncada and Yasmani Grandal should be guys who don't play every day. Like I, I know, I know the school of thought is you know hit your way out of a slump or whatever. Yeah. But every single at bat they go up there, they're overmatched. They look completely out of it. And again, Yoan Moncada milked a nice walk yesterday and loaded the bases with two outs in the ninth. But the quick trigger finger to pull Jake Ber Berger really, really bothered me. If the guy is telling you it's just a cramp, regular cramp, roll it out, let him work through it. Yeah. Let Jake Berger, the only guy outside of AJ Pollock, who credit to Tony, Tony finally played AJ Pollock. Good for you, man. Put AJ Pollock out there and he's doubling all over the place for you. What a great managerial decision to play AJ Pollock. Who you brought After in to play all the time. You spent three weeks playing every other day. It, it, it took four days off. You think the guy's fucking dead. Right. You think he's fucking dead. <laughs> Credit to, to Tony LaRusso for playing AJ Pollock. It's just. <laughs> I, yeah. I understand we're at a point, Gabe, where. Nothing is going well, so I'm going to find any reason to be angry with the guy that I want to be most angry with. Yeah. But I feel like he's not paying attention. He's not paying attention. Yeah. He doesn't get it. I, I, I don't I, want to preview the Rangers series, dude. They got three <laughs> games this weekend. Go watch them if you want. I don't go, care. Go watch them. Shane will be in the – in the parking lot the whole game. Yeah, just exactly. Boozing, just boozing. Tomorrow for the tailgate, they got a Hawaiian shirt giveaway. It's pretty cool. I'm going to go get my Hawaiian shirt and come right come back right out back to out. The, the tailgate. I've gotten kicked out a couple of times where I've Eddie? tailgated because because you can't you can only tailgate to like, I think it's like a half an hour or an hour after the game starts. Not even oh, an hour. Really? It's like it's that. like it's like a half an hour. Yeah. Oh, I've boozed many a day in the parking lot after the game started. <laughs> Feeling like you feel right now where I'm like, oh, I'm not going to go into this game. I'm having a great time in the parking lot. Yeah. And then security comes. They're like, you got to get out of here. So so just <laughs> prepare for that accordingly. Um, but going back, I want to go back to what you were talking about with Yasmani Grandal and Yaman Makata. Yasmani Grandal, for me, I agree with you 100%. Like, I already know you rotate catchers as is, but maybe you just got to be giving a little bit more love to to um, 
Reese McGuire. To, yeah, to Reese McGuire, your other favorite guy on, on the team. Ugh. Um, but Paul, but you're Carlos Perez, dude. And listen, I I I, I there's got to be someone out there that can catch the ball. Or, or he's mashing it in Charlotte. That's my point. So it's like, why why do we have Reese McGuire? It's like he it's like every time he gets up, at least at least everybody else when they get to the plate, I, I feel confident that they can get a hit. Reese McGuire, I look like you're just crossing your fingers and just hoping for the best that he can make some contact. But with Yoan Mankata, I genuinely feel like he can turn the corner. Whereas I feel like Yasmin Grandal is already it. He's on the other side of it. You know, he he's going to be there to be an emotional leader as opposed to someone that's going to be able to do it with his bat. But Yoan Mankata, Shane, like this is somebody that we have to depend on still. Like we need his bat. We need him to hit home runs. We need him to get on base. We need him to be that. That that catalyst, and, and if he is going to be batting sixth or seventh, we do need him to to play well. Whereas Yasmani Grandal, we could do without him. Catchers, offensive production, you, you're going to get what you're going to get. But from your third baseman, I, I need him batting 270 at least. I need him, you know, having 60, 70, you know, hit, uh, hits or on, on on the year. And I need you to get 21 between 18 and 23 homers. I, I I need that from you. And we're not finding it from anywhere else. Berger, of course, is having his, his window of playing well, but Yohan Mankata needs to be that guy. So, so if I want to put some, some pressure on a guy on this team to perform offensively, it has to be Yohan. And, 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 and so maybe in that instance, yeah, that's the cramp and you're hoping that, you know, something clicks, you're waiting for that, that turning moment, but that, that's not someone that I feel like we need to bench. And, 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 cause I feel like you just hurt his confidence if you do something like that, cause it's not like he's four years removed from playing well, it was last season. He was just doing fine. Right. So it's like, yeah. I just, and it, like, I don't know if you believe like the long COVID and shit like that. Like, maybe there are some COVID after effects. And, and, and he's only like 17 games in this season with an already shortened spring training. So I'm going to give right. Yohan Moncada the benefit of the doubt. But like what you're saying, next year, Yohan Moncada is owed $17 million. Okay. The year after, $24 million. The year wow. after that, a club option of $25 million. So more so than just a, your third baseman performing and hitting 270, I want you to hit 270 because I'm paying you $17 million, $24 million, and $25 million over the course of the next three seasons. That's yeah. why I want you to perform. I want you to perform because you were the centerpiece of the Chris Sale trade. Imagine if they got what they wanted in Rafael Devers. Mm. That, that's who they wanted in that deal. Who wouldn't? Rafael yeah. Devers or Andrew Benintendi. Thank God they didn't go the Benintendi route. But imagine if they had Rafael Devers. Like, I just want Yoan Moncada to perform to standard. Yeah. Standard of $17 million a season. I mean, you were getting paid six last year. And now you're making 13. Like, dude, <laughs> you just got a huge raise. Don't don't start kicking it and, and drinking medallas in the background. Like, I need you to, to really feel like you need to earn that money, especially when there's, like you mentioned, you know, a $10 million raise coming in two years. So like 270, you're right. That has to be the floor for you in that particular situation. I, I, I need I need there to not be a conversation about whether Jake Berger should be playing third base for the Chicago White Sox for the next couple of years. God damn. It's like it, I it, love it's, Jake Berger, but shit, dude. Love him. I was so bummed when he got hurt. Was it two years ago or was it last year? Well, when he, he hurt his three leg? years ago and then a year after that. Yeah, and then a year after that. Okay. Achilles twice. Because he was playing. We were both wrong about this series. I think we both said they'd take two out of three, and they should have taken two out of three. Yes. They took one out of three. They are three games below 500 or two oh games my below God. 500, whatever it is. Nothing matters anymore. Um, 
I think they should sweep the Rangers. Oh God, this that's I hope our home heart is beating right now. Like I know Marcus Simeon is on a tear right now, and right. he had like, seven hits and three homers in their in their doubleheader on Monday or Tuesday. Like he had a slow start to the season, and he's picking it back up. But I think for some reason, and I don't know why I keep doing it. I don't know why I keep doing it to myself. Like I'm sitting I don't know why here, you keep doing it either. And I'm I'm sitting on my porch last night, just like relaxing, having a glass of whiskey, a nice cigar. My dog sitting there right at my feet. It was a beautiful night. The wind is blowing. It was great, and I'm I'm justifying it in my head. I'm saying, dude, this is me talking to myself, dude. Yeah. It's no problem. It's the Rangers. It's going to be 75 degrees on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The sun's going to be out. The wind's going to be blowing out. They're going to sweep them. Yeah. They just scored nine runs against the Dodgers. They just they they just looked pretty good offensively outside of game two against the best team in baseball. No problem. Michael Kopech beats the shit out of good teams. <laughs> He's yeah. got a sub one two ERA against teams that are in first place. Michael Kopech's looking like a like an ace. Dude, Giolito's back. See how good his stuff was? Oh my God, Dylan sees today. Outside of that sixth inning when he was left in too long, his stuff is back. The fastball's tailing. The changeup's biting. The slider looks good. The knuckle curve looks good. They're going to sweep the Rangers. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to say here. Well, I'm going to tell you first and foremost, I'm going to say you are the, you are so nice to yourself. It's no, the nicest. I'm not. It's the nicest person I've ever heard you talk to. Is yourself right there? That was, Gabe, that was, that was you're very lucky. sweet. You're, you're catching me off of like my first therapy session in like two months. I started oh, okay. restarted therapy this morning. And Perfect like timing. Think, Perfect I like time. Funda Rusa inspired me to restart therapy, uh, but that's why you're I, catching me be a little bit nicer. Myself. Well, listen, I'm all on board for the sweep. I hope it happens. Um, of course, the public feels the same way about Game One. Ninety-seven percent of the money is on the Chicago White Sox today. Isn't that okay. insane? 97% yeah. of the money. But yeah. Davis Martin's pitching. So Yeah, he's, he's looked okay. He's looked I mean, okay. 0-2 with a 4.35 ERA. Uh, Glenn Otto's on the mound for the Texas Rangers today. So, I mean, it should be a good one. It's going to be a high-scoring game, I'm sure. So, yeah, bet but the, bet the like, over. It'll be competitive. Hopefully, Davis Martin will be competitive. And then you've got uh, G. Lito tomorrow, and you've got Kopech on Sunday. So, yeah. like – Things should be okay. Like I said, they should sweep the Rangers, but we will talk to you on Monday if they do not. Um, I need to drink. It's 10 o'clock in the morning. I need to drink. Well, I well, fortunately, well, unfortunately for you, you have to work. I on the no, other I'm off today, man. I took today. Oh, off. really? Oh, yeah. okay. Well, yeah. I'm drinking I'm in a little bit. Bands I'm... in town, going to see them tonight. The Aragon. Oh, hell yeah! I, I, I took today off. It's uh, it... yesterday was my Friday. So wait, are you you went into work just to do the podcast? Yeah, that's pretty badass. Yeah, right. yeah, I'm dedicated. I'm dedicated got, to you and Tyler and to I the got, White Sox. I got to get you. A, we got to get you a new setup at home so you don't have to. Do well, it's this. coming. It's coming. It, with, with, the, with the way that Odyssey moves, I should have it by December 2023. Dude, all I gotta say is when we were talking to our, our guy that set up our podcast, he promised me like a dongle and some other stuff when I was doing my BetQL thing probably about six months ago, and I still haven't got it, and that's why I was. I was almost throwing shade at him when I was like, I want a ring light. And I was like, let me see how long it takes for this damn ring light to yeah. show up. So, Thank uh, you for yeah. uh, listening to the second episode of the Southsiders 670 podcast. I'm Shane Reardon. Uh, this is Gabe Ramirez. If you like what you're hearing, remember to subscribe to the show on the podcast feed wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, and Shane, Odyssey. 
And if they want to follow us, if you can see on the video screen, they just have to go to at social handle. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> at social handle. There they are. Shane underscore Reardon for myself. Chicago underscore Gabe for Gabe. We will talk to you on Monday after the White Sox sweep the Texas Rangers. Have a great weekend.